Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will finish his scriptural study by speaking about darkness and light. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's some highlights from yesterday's message. God's Word is a very special to us as believers. Because of Genesis 1-3, and God said, God speaks. God, God is a speaking God. God is not a silent God. He's a speaking God. Because like Samuel, they learned to say to God, Speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. Let's finish our study today. Here's Tom Cantor. And that's what it is. This is mail to us. These are special, and God said, God speaks. And that's how it works. God speaks. Now, it requires us, because we saw before, to, be, to, to say these words. Speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. It requires us to look to God, to hear him. Because that was a problem we saw earlier. Man perceives it not. We have to say to God, I'm going to, God, I need to hear from you. I'm going to die on the vine unless I hear from you. I really need to hear from you. And to be able to walk away from a morning devotion time and say, I heard from God this morning. I can show you what I heard from God this morning. That's important. That's important. And not just to recite four chapters, but to say this chapter, this place right there, that's where God spoke to me. That's the art of hearing God. We need to perfect that in ourselves. The goal is to see the word of God associated with the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our goal. We want to see the word of God, the speaking God, the God who speaks, associated with his words in the Bible. So look, for example, to Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3. And notice here what, uh, what God told to the uh, nation of Israel in Deuteronomy 8, 3. When he said that he humbled them and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know. Why did he suffer? Why did he cause them to be hungry? Why did he humble them? Why did he feed them with this manna from the sky, from heaven's bakery, every morning? Why did he do that? So he could make them know that man does not live by bread alone, only, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Can you get the picture? He, he, he takes all the food away from them so that they have to look up like this. Where's the manna? Where's the manna today, Lord? We're going to die here unless we get some food. And it comes down from heaven as a picture of the, as a picture of for us. These things happen for our examples. In other words, that we should come every morning like they did and say, we don't have anything here to eat. If you want, we'll open up all of our cupboards and show you there's nothing to eat. But you've got, you and you alone are going to feed me. And so every day for 40 years, they had to look to God, look up to God. And, and everything they ate came from heaven. Man did, it, the Bible says man ate angels' food. I guess they eat manna up there, I don't know. But anyway, whatever it is, that's the, that's the picture. He says this was the purpose for it, so that you can know that you're going to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It doesn't say from God. It says from the mouth of God. 
from the mouth of God to you. That's very, very important to understand. It's very personal. When God speaks, it comes from his mouth. And we live by every word that comes from his mouth, that comes from the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why it's so important to, to, to know him. Now look at Genesis 3. We're going to just jump in a little bit ahead. Genesis 3 and verse 8. I don't want you to get used to jumping ahead, but we will now. Anyway, Genesis 3, 8. And it says this, that they heard what? They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And now look at verse 10. And when he said, he talked, he said, and he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. It was the voice of God. Look at, and then verse 317, I mean, sorry, chapter 317. So look at verse 17, same chapter. And Adam said, and he said, and unto Adam, he said, God was speaking to Adam. He said, because thou hast hearkened unto what? The voice of, of, of thy wife and has eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee not. What is it saying? Thou shalt not eat of it and so forth. So what What was he saying there? He was saying, look, Adam, I understand that you were persuaded to eat this fruit. I understand that. He said, I understand that there was a certain pressure that came to you. That wasn't just anybody offering you that that fruit. That was your wife. Wives can be very persuasive. Take it from me. I can tell you that for sure. Anyway, it was your wife, very persuasive. And he said, and how she persuaded you was with her voice. That's what it says, with her voice. We're not making much traction here. We better move on. All right, so no, I'm just kidding. So now look at, at Genesis 27. Genesis 27 in, in verse uh, 7 there. Now here, let's give the context here. In Genesis 27 was the, great, was, was the deception of Isaac. Uh, where Jacob deceived Isaac and, and uh, got the birthright by having Isaac believe his father that it was uh, Esau. Uh, chapter 27, verse 7. Okay. Bring me venison and make me savory meat that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Who, who came up with this scheme? His mom cooked up this thing. You know, this is how you're going to do it. And his mother, look on verse 13. And his mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse, my son. Only obey my voice and go fetch them. So she's putting pressure on Jacob by saying, What I'm telling you is associated with me. Obey my voice. Obey my voice. It's not anybody who's telling you to do this. It's me, your mother, right? I know how I've raised my mama's boy. Now you listen. Okay. All right. Now, so he says, uh, he says, obey my voice. And then he says in verse 43, now, therefore, my son, uh, obey my voice. Arise, flee thou to Laban, my brother, to Haran. Don't stay around here. You're going to get killed. When, um, uh, um, just for time's sake, I'm just going to give you these references. Genesis 16, 2, when, when Sarah said to Abraham, behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing, I pray thee, going unto my maid, it may be that I may obtain children by her. And then it says, and Abraham hearkened to the voice of Sarah. It wasn't anybody making that suggestion. That was Sarah. And similarly, we have God's voice referred to in about the tabernacle in Numbers 789. When Moses went into the tabernacle to speak with him, he heard the voice of one speaking to him. 
We already saw the passage in Deuteronomy. There's another one in Deuteronomy 30.20 where it says that you may love the Lord your God and you may obey his voice. All this emphasis on the voice. Song of Solomon 2.8. The voice of my beloved, she says. Behold, he cometh leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. In, in Psalms, Song of Solomon 2.8. Song of Solomon 5.2. I sleep, but my heart awaketh. It is the voice of my beloved that knocketh saying unto me, open to me, my sister. The voice, you know, and it, when a little kid's out there playing and he hears, Johnny! It, that's altogether different. It's the voice, what is he? That's mom. And so he responds, right? Because he recognizes the voice, the voice. All this meaning in, this, in the Old Testament behind the voice, the voice, the voice. And so what then does the Lord Jesus Christ say in John 10? He said, he says, verily, Verily, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he, says, he that entereth not in by the door of the sheepfold, but climbeth up in the door, some other way is a thief and a robber. He that entereth by the, in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And then he says, To him the porter openeth, and the sheep, what? Hear his voice. They hear his voice. They understood when he said that. Rebecca's voice caused Jacob to do that. Sarah's voice caused Abraham to do that. God's voice off of the tabernacle, was what was referred to very personal. So when he's speaking this way, he's calling them back. John 10, 16, Other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them all my must bring. And then he says, They shall hear my voice. They'll hear my voice. And then he says in John 10, My sheep hear my voice. And, they fo- and I know them and they follow me. Very, very important. What was it out of the burning bush that came to Moses? A voice. It was a voice that came out. When we're far away from God, when we're lukewarm, and we need to get back, you know what God says he does in Revelation 3.20? He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And he said, If any man what? Hear my voice. If any man hear my voice, and we'll open the door, I'll come into him and sup with him and he with me. We hear his voice. We hear his voice. I just want to leave you with John 21. Turn to this. Here we are at the time when the apostles were very discouraged. The Lord has been crucified, and they went fishing. And in John 21, 5, Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. He said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it in for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved, be John, saith unto Peter, It's the Lord. It is the Lord. Peter knew it was the Lord, and it made all the difference in the world. That's got to be the response of our hearts. We walk into an assembly, we say, Speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. When we hear the voice of God speaking to us, we say, like the apostles, it's the Lord. It's the Lord speaking to us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you are a speaking God. Make us a hearing people. Give us a heart to perceive Give us a heart that asks you to speak. Give us a heart that recognizes when you speak and keeps it like Mary did in her heart. Thank you for our time together this morning when once again we've had light in our souls as we focused on the one who is the light, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Today you talked about God speaking. Uh, Tom, what does God expect from us 
when he speaks? You know, the answer to that is found in the most famous prayer in Judaism, which is called the Shema, which is Deuteronomy 6.4. And here it says, hear, Shema, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And all these and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. You know, that's what God expects of us. He expects of us when he speaks, we must hear. We must foremost not close our ears, not turn away ourselves, but to turn to him. And as in essence to say, even without saying it, but to mean it with our hearts in an attitude like Samuel had, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. What an attitude that is. If you break it down and analyze it in each way, from the different angles, you hear, first of all, he said, speak. In other words, he wanted to hear. Then he said, Lord. In other words, he said, I understand that who I am hearing from is God himself. And I'm putting myself as the subject under God. So speak, Lord. And then he said, for thy servant. That's the relationship in this friendship. I am your servant, Lord. And so I intend to respond. I intend to do what you want me to do, to go where you want me to go, to be what you want me to be. I am your servant. So speak, Lord, for thy servant. And last, he said the word heareth. That's the word Shema. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth, because that means that I am a ready hearer of you in order that I might be a ready doer. In what form does God's voice come in? That's a very good question because I've heard so many people say, the Lord said, the Lord spoke to me, and sometimes they're talking about they heard, heard voices, and, 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 and it really is a good question. Can God speak in a voice? Absolutely. He can do that. There's no limitation to God. And, and Job talked about God speaking in dreams. The Lord spake once, yea, twice, in a dream, he says. The Lord speaks in many, many ways. It's interesting, because in Exodus chapter 4, verse 8, when he was speaking about what he was doing, going to do in Egypt. He said, and it shall come to pass, if they will not believe thee, he was speaking to Moses, neither hearken to the voice, he said, the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the second sign. What's that mean? The voice of the first sign, the voice of the second sign. Did the signs have voices? Not literally, there was no voices that came out of the, the signs of the judgments, the plagues that came into Egypt, but they did have a voice. And the voice was that God was saying, let my people go through the signs, let my people go. 
When we read the Word of God and we, 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 we listen to that, we can hear the voice of God. When we read the Word of God and it tells us about the plagues in Egypt, that as we read about the plagues in Egypt, we hear the voice of God. The voice of God saying, let my people go. The voice of God saying to us, oh, God wants me as his child to serve him. I hear his voice through this account of about what happened to the e- Egypt and the children and the children of Israel in in the land when they were under bondage i hear that voice when i read the passage about god said in the creation let there be light Oh, I hear the voice of God saying to me when I read the Bible, let the light of the Lord Jesus Christ come into my soul. Let me understand about him. When I read the passage about when he clothed Adam in coats of skin, I hear the voice of God saying, I want to cover you from your sins. I don't want you to be exposed and to be exposed to the wrath of God and the judgment of God, which will eventually send you into hell. I don't want that. Let me clothe you. So when we read about what he did to Adam in clothing him, we hear the voice of God saying to us, I want to clothe you. And so as we read all throughout the Bible about the different accounts and our ears are open, we hear the voice of God speaking to us and asking us the question, can you hear? Will you hear? I'm speaking to you. This is written for you. Listen, my voice is coming through. Okay, Tom. So what I hear you saying is that God's voice is also always demanding a response from us. Well, yes, that's right. I mean, his voice is a voice that demands a response. First we hear, and then his voice so often, it creates the crossroads. It creates the, 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 the point in which we have to decide, are we going to the right or are we going to the left? And this was so well illustrated in John chapter 6 and verses 66 through 69. Because what happened is that the Lord Jesus Christ was speaking publicly, and what he said was so offensive to many that a great group of them walked away from him. They turned their back, and they walked away from them from him. And so then, everybody heard what he said with his voice, but he turns now to, to, to his disciples, to the twelve, in fact— And he says to them in verse 67, well, first of all, in verse 66, it says, from that time, many of the disciples went back and walked no more with them. And then in verse 67, it says, then said Jesus unto the 12, will you also go away? What a question. Will you also go away? Every time that we read in the Bible and hear the voice of God and we see the crossroads, there is always the the choice that God has given to us to also go away. And we have that chance and that opportunity, and we also take that opportunity and chance that we take that opportunity to say, no, we will not go away. We actually can say, though some go away, I will not. Though some walk away, I will not. Let them go, I will not. That's the decision that we make. 
when we come to those crossroads which are created by his voice. Now, when he asked this question, he actually asked it to his disciples, and it was Simon Peter who spoke, and he spoke for the group in verse 68, and he said, Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. You know, Simon Peter could have just as well said, Mama didn't raise no fools here. <laughs> Lord, Lord, there's no place else to go. We know who you are. He said, you have the words of eternal life. The words of eternal life. That's a wonderful description of the Bible. The Bible is a book of the words of eternal life. Why? Because the Bible is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking. When the Lord Jesus Christ speaks, the Bible speaks. When the Bible speaks, the Lord Jesus Christ speaks. They are together. That's why he said, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have life, and they are they which testify of me. Peter recognized this when he said, Lord, thou hast the words of eternal life. And then he said, and we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, we believe and we are sure. Why was he sure? Because the Spirit of God inside of him was testifying into his spirit and saying, Peter, it's true, it's true, it's true. He is who he said he is. He is who he said he is. He is who he said he is. He said he is God. He is God. He said he is the Savior of the world. He is the Savior of the world. He said he is the Messiah of Israel, the King of the Jews. He is. And so Peter was saying, we believe. And that's what Peter, uh, that was Peter's choice to believe. Then he said, and are sure. That's really the work of God inside of Peter, making him sure that thou art that Christ. You are that Messiah that is spoken about in the scriptures, the one that Moses referred to in Deuteronomy 18, where he says, a prophet shall the Lord thy God raise up unto thee like unto me. And so all of these references to the Messiah in the, in the, in the scriptures, in the Tanakh, in the Old Testament, are all speaking about that Messiah that Messiah. It was very important that Peter said that Messiah because there were others like Bar Kokhba and others who claimed to be the Messiah. So when Peter said, thou art that Messiah, he was referring to the Messiah in the Bible, the, ref- the true Messiah. And so that's why he said, we are sure that thou art that Messiah. And then he clarifies it one step further by saying, that Messiah is God the Son. That Messiah is Bain Elohim. That Messiah is is a part of the Echad Godhead, the Adonai Echad. That's also from the Shema, and it's referring to the plurality of the different persons in the Godhead. And he said, that Messiah is the Son of the living God, not just God, but the God of life, the one who breathed into Adam, the Spirit 
spirit of life, and Adam became a living soul. And so as the spirit of life comes into him with the words of eternal life, then Peter and the apostles and others become a living soul. Peter was saying this is, he was saying this is all about life. This is a matter of life. It's a matter of life and death. Peter saw it so clearly. If I walk away, I choose death. If I come to the Lord Jesus Christ, I choose life because he has the words of eternal life and he is the God. He is the son of the God of life or the son of the living God. And that's that's what he saw so clearly, and that's what it comes down to us. Every time God's voice is heard, it demands a response. Choose life or choose death. What will your answer be? What will you do with Jesus? What will your answer be? Someday you will be asking, what will he do with me? Peter already answered the question, and he said, We are going to no one else except you, because you have the words of eternal life. Thank you for joining us today. Join us again tomorrow as Tom Cantor speaks from Hosea chapter 13. Now, do you have a Jewish friend or know of a Jewish person that needs to be reached with the gospel? Would you like to give them a gospel gift or have one sent to them? You can contact us directly by phone and we can help you to do that. Call us at 1-800-247-3051. Once again, that's 1-800-247-3051. And we can help you to fulfill God's command to go to the Jew first. Many of us know many Jewish people, whether it's an attorney, a doctor, a lawyer, a business person, or somebody that's a next-door neighbor or friend. So reach them with the gospel. Call us at 1-800-247-3051. You can also call us and get a copy of today's broadcast or other materials that we have available. Again, that's 1-800-247-3051. And today's message and previous messages are available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Israel Restoration Ministries and Tom Cantor on Facebook and receive a daily devotional verse from Tom Cantor. You can also contact Tom Cantor directly by sending an email to Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Now thanks for listening, and join us again tomorrow at this same time as we continue our study from the Scriptures in Hosea chapter 13.